go ahead and pull out your blue books. Uh, some of them may say baseline on the front of them since it's the last week rather than have uh, uh, Sam print up more of these. We just got baselines left overs and brought them over here just to be frugal, uh, be good stewards of our resources. So um, we started this message series six weeks ago called The Scarlet Thread, Why Did Jesus Have to Die? And in this series, we've been tracing the crimson or scarlet thread throughout Scripture to answer that question, why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God just forgive? And this series has you know, definitely not been like dessert or <laughs> cake. It's meat and potatoes. may have tasted like broccoli at some times. Um, but my prayer is that after this last six weeks, that when you come across some of these themes in scripture, you'll understand what these are and they'll have deeper meaning for you. So we're going to do a quick review this morning and then look at one last theme as we uh, try to bring this all together. And um, as would be true in any seminary class, you'll find a, a little quiz there in your bulletin uh, to see if you got all of these themes uh, figured out over the last few weeks. And uh, we're going to be looking at some of these as we do the review. So, And then if all else fails, there's a little key at the bottom. So you can uh, get the answers either way. But uh, remember that the question we've been answering, uh, asking is, why did Jesus have to die? What does Jesus' death mean for us? So. In this series, we've seen that Jesus came and died, number one, because we live in a fallen world, right? We live in a fallen world under the shadow of death. At the fall, sin and death entered into our story. If it hadn't been for that, Jesus would not have had to die. And we got a glimpse of that scarlet thread right at the very beginning of the series in chapter 3 when we looked at the story of Adam and Eve and how after... They had eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then um, they were ashamed. Guilt entered the picture. And so God uh, killed an animal to make a covering for them. And that was where the scarlet thread began, that innocent blood had to be shed as a sacrifice to cover sin. And one of the things that we discover about the scarlet Scarlet Thread is that all of these um, pictures, all of these images point ahead to the cross of Jesus Christ and our need for a Savior, some kind of intervention. And so this is the first of the Scarlet Thread pointing ahead to the cross. Then we picked up that thread again in the life of a man named Abraham. And God doesn't let go of that dream of having relationship and community with his people as he had had with Adam and Eve before the fall. He wants very badly to have fellowship with his creation and to show humankind his love. And so he chooses one man and he makes a covenant with him. And that covenant that he made with Abraham was a blood covenant. We talked about um, why that was, because blood was shed to seal the covenant. We have the assurance, we have the knowledge that God would not go back on his covenant promises. And we're going to come back to that in a minute when we talk about sacrifice. 
But this, uh, the, so that's the second reason then why Jesus had to die. He had to die because God wants us to be certain of his covenant promises. God's a covenant-making God. He's made a covenant, a new covenant, a new and better covenant through Jesus Christ, and he guaranteed it, confirmed that he'll never change his mind about his promises to us to give us eternal life or any of the other promises because he's sealed those promises with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So then the third reason, why did Jesus have to die? Jesus died to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed it, but the mortality rate is 100%, right? Uh, death has reigned ever since the fall. We've all experienced the pull of sin. We've all experienced the tragedy of loss that we've talked about here already this morning and the people that we've prayed for. And Jesus came as a redeemer to set us free both from um, the pull of sin and the power of sin, the guilt of sin, and from death. Uh, you remember the definition of re redemption? It's the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt to set free, to rescue, to ransom. And the Bible is clear that one of the results of the fall was that we are now in captivity to sin. We have this bent towards sinning. And like the Israelites who were in slavery in Egypt, the message of the Bible is that our cat, we are in captivity to sin and we are in need of somebody to set us free. It's something that we can't do on our own and that freedom is costly. We've been bought by the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that we could know the value that God places on us and to purchase our freedom from guilt and sin. All right, and then the fourth. Jesus had to die to provide atonement for our sin. Uh, redemption that we just talked about is freedom from the guilt, bondage, and penalty of sin. Atonement um, repairs and restores our relationship with the Holy God. It is at one It makes us one with God again. Jesus' death and his blood reconcile us to God. Because of Jesus' death, we have forgiveness. We have peace with God. Uh, Paul says it well in Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And by him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. Huge, right? He made peace with everything on heaven and on earth through the blood of Jesus Christ. And this week we talked about atonement. Um, and, I mean, on that week we looked at atonement and the story of the scapegoat, remember? All the sins of the Israelite people were put on the head of that goat. It was chased away into the desert and driven off of a cliff so that it never came back again. And Jesus became our scapegoat. At Jesus' trial, when the crowd yelled, take him away, take him away, it was our sins that he carried away to the cross. And he did that so that we could have a clean slate, a fresh start. As far as the east is from the west, 
uh, so far. God has removed our sin from us. And that's what Jesus' atoning blood does for us. It restores our relationship with God. And then finally last week, we talked about purification. Jesus died to wash away sin and make us holy like God. Jesus died because without holiness, we cannot see God. Uh, Jesus' blood washes away the stain of sin. We're made righteous, holy, pure, through that cleansing power of Jesus' sacrifice. And this is so important for us to get. This is a huge piece in this because God is holy, holy, holy. I mean, he is holy. And we have this sin problem. And Jesus' death on the cross washes away our sins and provides a way for us to be in relationship with a holy God. And, you know, last week I showed a video that explained uh, another theological word, propitiation. Right? And remember that video? The basic meaning of propitiation is satisfaction. Because we have this just, righteous, and holy God. God can't just sweep sin under the table and say, oh, I know, you didn't mean to do that. There has to be some accounting for it. It has to be dealt with. And in Christ, God condemned sin and sinful man. That's what it says in uh, Corinthians and Every time I read that, it just kind of strikes my heart that God condemned sin in sinful man, that here's this innocent son of God who takes on the sins of the world, and God condemns it in him. And the gavel came down, the guilty sentence was proclaimed, but rather than seeing his children suffer, God takes off the judge robe, comes around to the front of the bench, and he pays the penalty himself. By sending Jesus to die in our place, he satisfied the just, righteous, holy requirements of God so that he could be set free to deal with us in love and to, to show his love to us. And as we finish the series, I want to briefly look then at one final theme that answers the question, why did Jesus have to die? Have to die? And that theme is sacrifice. Jesus' death fulfills and brings an end to the need for the Old Testament sacrificial system. Um, sacrifice was a very prominent theme in the Old Testament. Have you ever read Leviticus? <laughs> it's just all these sacrifices and how they had to be done and what they covered. And there's all these animals, uh, goats and bulls and sheep being uh, slaughtered and sacrificed and their blood put on the altar. And as we think about that sacrificial uh, system, we need to remember that the Old Testament is always pointing ahead to Jesus and helps us understand what God was accomplishing through the cross. And there are two prominent themes in the Old Testament. The first is God's desire to be with people and to love them and have a relationship with, that, and we, with them. And we see that throughout the Bible. He's always trying to find ways to be with the people he created. At the very beginning, he walked in the cool of the evening uh, in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then after the fall, he had to find ways to be with his people. And he called Abraham his friend. He had the Israelites build a tabernacle, and then he would come down and his glory would 
dwell there in the tabernacle. And he gave them very specific instructions on what that tabernacle would look like and later the temple that was built uh, because he wanted to dwell with them. And both of these things uh, were pictures or shadows of what was yet to come in the heavenly uh, realms. And God wants a relationship with people. That's his, the first reality, the thing that we see very clearly throughout the Bible. God's at work so that he can be in relationship with people. We see that in the Old and the New Testament. And then the second is that a broken, sinful nature keeps us from being able to have that relationship. Um, because of these two realities in the Old Testament, we see God put in place this sacrificial system that will temporarily deal with sin until he can deal with it eternally in Jesus Christ. Now, um, here's a picture of the tabernacle that God had them to had them build. And uh, you probably read about this uh, if you read the Old Testament and you're, okay, it's so many cubits by so many cubits. And, and, uh, and it's hard to picture, but here's a recreation of it. Of course, it's not the original tabernacle, okay? We have no Polaroids of it. But uh, this is uh, a recreation that someone has made. Um, and then... Inside of that tabernacle, there was the front room where they went about their daily work with the uh, keeping the light lit and everything. But then there was a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant was in there, which was God's mercy seat. And the Holy of Holies was holy. Uh, no one was to go in there. That's where when God's presence would come down in the whole uh, tabernacle would be lit up with his glory. That's where God's presence was, was in the Holy of Holies. No one was to go in there except for once a year. Um, the priest, the high priest, was to go in there. And we talked about the Day of Atonement. Remember when they put the sins of the people on one goat and then they kill the other goat and sprinkle the blood in the Holy of Holies. That's the one day of year that the priest could go into the temple. I'll go into the Holy of Holies. And he did that to uh, cleanse away the sin of the people and his own sins. And the writer of Hebrews describes it in this way. It says, when these things were all in place, the priests went in and out of the first room regularly as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest goes into the most holy place and only once a year and always with blood which he offers to God to cover his own sins and the sins the people have committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the most holy place was not open to the people as long as the first room and that entire system, the whole sacrificial system, as long as that was in place, um, then the uh, system it represents were still in use. Then as long as that was in place, we didn't have access to the Holy of Holies. And this is an illustration pointing to the present time. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. So he's saying that all that that happened in the Old Testament was pointing us ahead to what Jesus was going to do. And only the priest could offer the sacrifice. He was the mediator between God and the people. Because of God's holiness, we need some kind of mediation. And we find in the New Testament that Jesus is our mediator, that he is our high priest. Uh, in 1 
Peter 2.5, for instance, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus represents us before God's throne of grace. Jesus puts an end to the need for the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. All the requirements, all the purposes that that had are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And what we see in the New Testament are, is that Jesus is both our high priest, the one that goes in and offers the sacrifice, and he is the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God that goes in, and it's his blood that is sprinkled on the mercy seat for our forgiveness. And the writer of the book of Hebrews really explains this whole thing that we've been talking about over the last six weeks uh, quite well in chapter 9. And if you want something to do this week that will help you kind of uh, bring this all back uh, to mind, every one of the themes that we mentioned is in that chapter 9 and explains how Jesus fulfills all of these things. And I'd encourage you to read that week, that this week, and um, I think it'll have more meaning to you since we've gone through all these things in the last several weeks. But we're going to look at just a few verses out of that chapter as we kind of put this one last piece of the puzzle into place this morning and answer the question, why did Jesus have to die? Remember, in the Old Testament, everything's pointing towards the cross of Christ. Hebrews 9.11 says, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that's not man-made, that is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. Remember, the high priest couldn't go in without blood. He didn't enter with goats and calves' blood. He entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus is our high priest. He goes into the heavenly tabernacle with his own blood, his own precious blood, to obtain redemption. Jesus is our mediator. Uh, he went into the holy, holy, holy of holies like a lawyer, uh, presenting a case and presenting the evidence that the penalty for sin had been paid. Uh, he goes in as a mediator, and, and, and it's his blood that he, he offers as proof that the uh, penalty for sin is paid. Then here's the verse that I, I want to point us to this morning, um, verse 22. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You know, I, I wish it was different, but... This is what God says. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. And as we're considering this question, why did Jesus have to die it comes down to this. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus enters the Holy of Holies in heaven. And, you know, as I said earlier, the amazing thing is that he is both the high priest that goes in and the precious Lamb of God who offers his blood for our forgiveness. 
And there's one last scripture that I want to look at this morning as we talk about Jesus fulfilling the requirements of the sacrificial system. And it's found in Luke 23, but it's also found in Matthew and Mark. Uh, they feel it was important to, to mention this uh, event that happened. And it comes from the uh, time, the crucifixion. Jesus has been hanging on the tree all day. He's suffering on the cross. And then we read these words. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. I think that reflects God's grief. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And the curtain in the temple was torn into. You know, I wonder, this actually, I mean, this happened in the temple in Jerusalem. And, you you know, the priests were there. you got to wonder what they thought because the Holy of Holies had just been opened up, that place that no one was allowed to go. And now the curtain is torn in two. And Jesus' death opened the way for us to have fellowship with God. And the tragic, sad story glorious, beautiful story of the scarlet thread finally finds its resting place in the cross. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. On the cross, Jesus died the death that needed to be died. He paid the price that needed to be paid. The sin that needed to be cleansed was cleansed, and the atonement that needed to be made was accomplished fully in Jesus Christ. And I, I want to bring this series to an end with this um, clear conclusion, as clear as I, I can make it. And here's the message of the scarlet thread, that Jesus is not willing, that God is not willing that any perish, that he wants all to have life. And he, did, he opens the door to salvation to every person. It's within reach of every person but you have to receive it. You have to accept it. In Romans 10:9, and this is our memory verse, so let's read it together. If you declare with your mouth, this is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10:9. The wonderful truth about this whole story is that the ground is level beneath the cross. It doesn't matter how rich you are, you can't buy salvation, right? No one has enough in their bank account to do that. It doesn't matter how poor you are, you have enough. You have all you need. Salvation is in reach of every person. Just believe and be saved. And it doesn't matter how educated you are. We all have, uh, you know, we've been learning all these big words over the last uh, several weeks and all these theological terms and you might have felt overwhelmed at, at some point but fear not salvation doesn't rest on knowing these words it rests on having a savior and he's within reach of every one of us just believe and be saved it doesn't matter how religious you are or how, how religious your parents were or how irreligious your parents were 
You, you may have attended church all of your life, or this may be your first Sunday, but if you've never heard it in a way that you understood, Jesus loves you, and his death on the cross was for you. He loves you, he died for you, and he wants you to spend eternity with him. And I invite you today, believe and be saved. The ground is level beneath the cross. We're all in need of a Savior, and he is within reach of every one of us. Just believe and be saved. Life begins here. And you know, this has been a long series with some tough stuff, but eternity is riding on this decision. So if you haven't already made that decision, I invite you to do that this morning. There's no other decision that you make in your life that will be more important than that. And some of you have already made that decision, and uh, I hope that these things have been a reminder to you of what Jesus has given for you uh, and that you will be um, more full of love for him. Jesus has stretched out his hands to all of us. And I invite you to pray with me now as we close. Our loving God, um, what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, and what you've done, Jesus, through your death on the cross, we stand in amazement and awe of that, that you would love us like that. And although we don't understand all this uh, at all or completely, we understand enough to know that your love for us is never going to fail us. You're never going to leave us. That you are holy in. And help us, God, to be holy yours. And I pray this morning, if there's anybody here that hasn't invited Jesus into your heart yet, that you pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I accept what you've done for me on the cross. I ask you to forgive me for my sins and come into my life and help me to live my life now for you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, um, I'd like to follow up with you. and You can check the box there on the right-hand side that says becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Then the other ways you might respond are memorizing the memory verse um, from Romans 10.9. The second is I'm going to attend one of the services this week as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then the third is a reminder or a commitment to invite somebody next week. Um, people need the Lord. Jesus saves. He's the one that people are looking for and hungering for. So you have this opportunity. They've got the egg hunt, all the things that we've talked about uh, next week to uh, help somebody come to know Jesus Christ.